Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Today I want to start off and read 10 verses to you. Okay, and then we'll get into it. So 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, starting there, it says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he, at the proper time, may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Great portion of scripture. So the book of 1 Peter, there's 1 and 2 Peter, has some things to say about suffering, okay? Uh, Now, this particular chapter is actually talking about a different kind of suffering, uh, and and we'll talk about that, but just in general, the, the book of 1 Peter talks about suffering. And so suffering is different outside the church when we walk out the doors in every nation we just prayed so some uh, nations as australia you know the worst kind of suffering we experience here would be somebody saying something mean about a christian and sometimes there's policy written uh, that's against our christian beliefs that's that's where we are versus um physical uh persecution or suffering that other christians have so we can thank God for what we have here and the freedom that we've lived in where we don't have the physical persecution. Uh, but today we're going to look at a persecution that's more inside the church that happens with Christians in a Christian environment. And you might think, well, what are you talking about? And as we get into the word, we're going to see it. But here's a question. Is there a suffering that happens apart from the world? Not it's not involvement with the world, the church. It's like in the church and not from the world. And the answer is yes, there is. And we're going to look at it today. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about as we wait for the proper time, kind of like an odd title, but here's where it came from. In first Peter five, six, it says, humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. So we're going to look at this, uh, And we're going to talk about, like, what does it mean to wait for the proper time? And you'll hear it in various things like 
some stories and things in the Word, like what is, it, what is the proper time and what does it mean to wait, okay? So there's uh, many pieces that are working together in these 10 verses we read. People, responsibilities. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to like go over some of the things that we read, the pieces that are working in this portion of Scripture. So there's Peter and his fellow elders. They're mentioned. There's God and the flock of God. There's shepherds. There's instructions to all Christians who are in a suffering situation. There's motives and behaviors for us to observe. There's the eternal rewards waiting for shepherds. There's spiritual maturity levels like the younger and the older. That's not talking about age natural, but it's talking about spiritual maturity. There's the devil mentioned in there. There's spiritual authority. Resist the devil. And then there's also right at the end, we see that the Lord restores, confirms, strengthens, and establishes. So today we're going to like look into this, and I'm just trusting the Lord that it really comes together, and it, and it, uh, and it shows, helps us. It just helps us. So I came up with some just fun little titles today. I won't say anything else. It might be the only laugh I get, so I, I don't do things for a laugh. But, but here's, here's what I'm calling, here's the five things we're going to look at today. I'm, meaning all of us, I'm in 1 Peter 5, short-lived suffering, strange alliances, and here's the one that I kind of like, the real down under, not to be offensive, the real down under, and then what goes down does come up. So we're going to look at those five things today. So here's the first one. I'm in 1 Peter 5. So here's the thing. All Christians, if you're a Christian, you're in 1 Peter 5. You can locate yourself in the first, these 10 verses that we wrote if you're a Christian. And the reason is because it talks about elders, it talks about shepherds, it talks about younger Christians, it talks about older Christians, and then it even says all of you. I mean, it's right there. It says all of you be clothed. So it's talking about every Christian. You find yourself in these 10 verses. So um, did you find yourself yet? If you haven't found yourself yet, I think we'll all find ourselves by the end of today. But here's like 1 Peter 5, 9. Here's what it says. It says, resist him firm in the faith and listen to this, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Okay, and so um, it's very interesting the context that this is in. And so as we look, we'll see. So that's all we're going to say about that first one. It's a very short one. But let's look at the next one, short-lived suffering. And that's what the Scripture said after you suffered a little while. So I'm calling that short-lived suffering. This is not sickness and disease, so it's important to note when we read this portion of scripture, it's not talking about suffering with a sickness. That's not the context it is in. And as a matter of fact, even though 1 Peter 5, or 1 Peter, that whole book, talks a lot about suffering, it really appears looking at this kind of suffering is going on with people who are in the church. And you'll see as we get into it. So I'm going to tell you a story to help bring this out. So I want... Uh, in 1981, I moved 1,000 miles to go to a Bible school. I went through Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, finished. And in 1983, I met a girl at Bible school, lady, a girl, 
she was a girl back then. She's a lady now, huh? And I thought the Lord said she was going to be my wife, but the Lord said, pack up and move back to your hometown a thousand miles away. So then I thought, well, I must have missed it, and okay, I'll accept that. So I moved back to my hometown. Now, my brother was already there. We went through Bible school together, and the Lord instructed him in Tulsa, go back home and plant a church. So I thought, well, I know I'm not, I'm not being sent back there to plant a church. I know that's not why I'm going back there. I didn't really know why I was going back there. So I, I arrived. My brother was meeting in the basement of a home, and he had a Bible study going. So I just went, and they sang and uh, worshiped. There was like somebody leading worship. It was not an Andy Dickawalla. They were actually singing off key and stuff. And I'm thinking, boy, they need to have a worship leader show up that can sing on key. That would be a good thing. And, uh, but my brother taught, and then we stood up again to sing on our way out. And when we did that, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to serve your brother. I want you to be his right-hand man and do everything for him. Keep these things off of him. And so, I, I mean, I didn't know any better except to say, okay, Lord, I'll do that. So with that, I actually became a temporary worship leader. I don't know if I sang any better than the previous one, but I, I put a worship team together and I led worship. Very simple songs. It was back in the early 80s. It was the two-beat air, that kind of thing. So I, I did that, but then I also was then, I became the children's church pastor. And, and then I also then, the Lord said, I want you to clean the building. So our little town of 50,000 people was a, it was, was 60,000 at one time, but it was a steel town and still was outsourced to Japan. So many places went out of business and many people moved out of our town, which was advantageous for my brother because he took a whole school building. That, there was like schools that closed. So he got a whole, he was able to rent a whole school building, many classrooms, auditoriums, all that. It was vandalized for a few years because it was closed down and it was filthy. And the Lord told me, I want you to clean it, every room from top to bottom. I want you to restore this. And I was the cleaning team all by myself. And I'm really happy. So one Sunday night, somebody kicked glass off of the platform after a Sunday evening service. It broke, of course, and there's water everywhere. So I immediately ran and I got a mop and a bucket to get the water, but I also got a, a broom and a dustpan. So I got, and I, I'm doing that, you know, sweeping up the glass. And so this, you know, sweet, precious lady came and she was so sweet and precious. I mentioned this before. She wanted me to marry her daughter. That's how much she liked me. But in her preciousness, she said, poor old Tony, you went to Bible school with your brother. He's preaching and you're sweeping. And so when she said that, I thought people are watching. I was just so happy serving God that I wasn't aware of anything like this. I wasn't aware of titles and positions and all of this stuff, but I thought, well, there's people out there that really care about this stuff, you know. So um, she said that to me, and when she said that, it was like, number one, it was an attack on the decision I made. I thought the Lord told me to do this, and she's coming and attacking my decision, but also it was like 
came across like my value to God was based upon what I did. Poor old Tony, you're just sweeping. That's how it came across to me. So I thought, well, she, you know, of course, now after many years, I thought she really was perceiving things incorrectly on what's valuable to God. I understand that. At the time, I didn't. So the, the, the minister that I grew up under, uh, his name was Brother Hagen. He's in heaven now. His son is still alive. Who's, he's over 80 years old, too, Pastor Hagen. But he would say that he would have many visions, M-I-N-I, and he was like, see, oh, a mini vision, and he, it was spiritual things. Well, at that moment, I had a mini vision, but it wasn't spiritual when this lady told me that. It was fleshly. And I, I pictured myself putting my finger really close to her nose and saying, you think I can't do what my brother does? I'll show you what I can do. But see, that's the flesh, and that's not the spirit. And I didn't do that. I kept my flesh under. I smiled at her and was kind. And then I got home that night. And you know what I did when I got home? I did 1 Peter 5, 9 because it's in context here. It says, or I'm sorry, 5, 7. It says, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Because she also projected in her statements that my future was not good. And so it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And now here's how I did that. I got into my bedroom all by myself and I said, Father, you directed me up until this point. You, you directed me. I moved 1,000 miles. I went to Bible school. I went through Bible school. Then you directed me to come back to my hometown. You told me to do what I'm doing. I cast all of my cares on you, and I am not going to think about this any longer. I give it to you, and I trust you. And if you have me do this the rest of my life, I'll be happy if it's what you want. I got rid of it. It's amazing. It says after you suffered a little while, because I didn't suffer very long because I gave it to him. That's short-lived suffering. But also the man that I grew up under, you know, he said this once. We, we would travel with him, and we'd have to set up auditoriums, you know, do all the physical work. And he would come and watch us do the work, and, and sometimes he talked, you know. And he told me one time, he goes, we were setting up this big auditorium for a meeting. He goes, and he talked Texas talk, so he said, you reckon, you know, that's a big thing in Texas, you reckon, you reckon anyone's going to show up for the meeting? And I thought, well, if, if, if I was doing it, maybe not, but you're doing it. You know, that's what I thought. I go, are you joking me? And, and he said, no, I'm serious. He said, I'm amazed at every time that people come. And he really was sincere. And he said, I only do this because the Lord said to do it. And if the Lord told me to leave this and go dig ditches, I would be there to dig the ditches tomorrow, and I would do it forever if that's what the Lord said. This is who I grew up under. See, it wasn't about his title position or how famous he was. Okay. So my suffering didn't last very long because I cast my cares on the Lord, and the Lord of all grace came to me, and he restored, he confirmed, he strengthened, he established me, just like that scripture says. So I was ready to serve my brother on steroids, you could say, instead of running because see these kind of things can make us want to run it made me want to run did you ever have anything that made you want to run see because you can find yourself in first peter when you start thinking about all these things that that uh like we're, the situations we are in when we work together and we serve together and people make comments 
don't let a comment that anyone makes to you discourage you, offend you, or anything like that. And so I chose not to do that, and I was back the next Sunday, and I was very kind to this older lady that said that to me. Now look at, here's another thing, a shepherd, 1 Peter 5.2, look at how a shepherd can suffer. A shepherd, shepherd the flock, it says, of God that is among you, exercising oversight, but not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So when it says to do this, not under compulsion, it applies, here's what it's implying. You can serve God with an attitude and say, I'm doing this because God told me to do it. I don't want to do it, but I'm just doing it because God said to do it. And see, you're not serving willingly, and it's like you're doing it, and that's a suffering. See, we're talking about this solic or a soul suffering. It's not like sickness or disease. It's not outside the church. It's actually something that you can deal with inside the church where the Lord says, do something, move a thousand miles back to your hometown and do this. And then somebody makes a comment to you. That's a soul suffering. And it happens within the church. And sometimes without even realizing it, very precious and sincere people can say something and it could make you suffer. But do not take offense. And so even shepherds can do that. So shepherds can complain with a bad attitude. They can say, why, why is the Lord having me do this, et cetera, et cetera. And see, that, that kind of, that's a suffering, but it needs to be dealt with. These kind of sufferings can be dealt with, and they need to be dealt with, according to what we read here. Then look at 1 Peter 5.5. 5. This talks about all of us. It says, likewise... You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So whether we realize it or not, we're called to work together. I don't know, weeks or months ago, I, I, I had a bunch of scriptures where it says, when you come together, when you come together. And it was in also with the thought that, hey, there's lockdowns and there's all this going on. And I heard people saying, hey, it's the new thing, you know, nothing that will ever be the same. And I thought, no, the Bible can't change. When you come together, it's right to come together. So it's God's will that we come together. But when we come together, it says we need to be clothed with humility one toward another, all of us. But then let's not forget verse three here. It says this about shepherds, not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock. See, what will spoil everything is when a shepherd dominates. Domination is an unsafe environment. And so for everything to work together, it's very, very necessary that everyone is clothed with humility and we're knit together and we work together that way. And, but even when that happens, there can be still suffering. Because why, why would I say that? Well, the Lord might say, do this, but you see somebody else doing something and you think, well, I would rather do that. That looks a little bit more exciting. And this whole thing about staying planted and staying put, it's about staying where the Lord says to stay. He, he can move us when he chooses. Does that make sense? And we'll look at it a little bit more. But let's look at the next one. I think it'll keep unfolding here. Let's talk about strange alliances. So let's read scripture again. First Peter 5, 6, humble yourself, 
Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. So this kind of suffering that we're talking about, it makes it challenging to stay under the hand of God. I wanted to run in my hometown. There's been various times that I would like to run, but I don't run. So like staying planted is, is it's God's will and it's a big thing. Instead of running when somebody makes a comment or there's a, a difficult thing. And this is what we see here. So shepherds could complain that they could make more money and work less. They, I've heard it from other, some, from even some friends. And they went out, but they stay without their hearts. Well, everyone can do that in some way or another where you really went out, but you're staying, but your heart isn't really involved. Okay. So it says there, all of us, all of us be clothed with humility, but it's really good when all of us are content to be content and stay planted. So here's a, another story that this happened. We were married. It did work out. <laughs> She's right there. We went on our honeymoon, great honeymoon. We went to Italy. Con mia familia, familia io, mia, familia. She's like looking at me like I said, I put an O instead of an A. Okay. But anyway, great, great time. A couple weeks in Italy. Our last two days were in England. I got to tell you, like the pride, the proud Italian that I was, I was saying, what's England got after Italy? And we really liked England. It was like we just went to this place. It was so green, and the food was good. England's come up with their food. Okay. Okay. Long live the queen. No. <laughs> all right. So, so we get back. We fly all the way from Europe back to Oklahoma. And the day that we get back there, there's a conference going on, and we both work at that the ministry. And so Patsy the wonderful lady that she is, she gets ready and goes to the conference. But so Pastor Hagen, the one that's still alive, he goes, where's Tony? And, he, and she said, he, he's, he's getting ready to come to work tomorrow. He goes, and he called me. He goes, Tony, where are you? And I said, I'm, and then he says, get, get here right now. Get, get over here. And so I said, yes, sir. So I got a suit on and everything. And I got to the conference. She's on the second row. And so there I am, and this, the, the group that I used to be the manager, I was the manager of this singing group, and I was in this singing group, and I played the bass guitar. They come up to minister, and they did really good without me. So I'm talking about these different sufferings that we can, they, you know. And so then I thought, did they ever need me? And then I really started to question, like, what is my place now? They, they put me down in a warehouse to work in a warehouse. You've heard that, that story. Some, but now I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wow, I wanted to run again. I thought, I, I'm just so, I feel worthless. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I don't know if you located yourself in any of this, but this is what I'm feeling like. I'm feeling worthless. Not, what's the next step? What am I doing? And because I, I, what am I, what I, does anyone really need me? Has anyone ever felt that way? 
So this is like we're talking about this is suffering, but it's not physical, it's not sickness, but it's like a soul suffering that we, uh, you know, have to deal with. So um, with all of that said, let's read the scripture again. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Well, and they put me in a warehouse. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So when I came back to the ministry, I came back in that new position. It was working in a warehouse. I was no longer on the stage doing ministry. I was buried in a warehouse. Okay, this is where you learn about yourself. We all learn about ourselves when these kind of things happen. And our response to these kind of things is really important, how we respond. And, you know, and like I said, I wanted to run. But thank God that the Holy Spirit on the inside constrains us. So just let's talk about what are a few enemies that could, would push us out from under the hand of God like we all have enemies. And that's why I call this strange alliance, how these enemies show up right at the time and they align themselves with suffering. So I don't know if that was a great title, but these enemies show up and align themselves with areas where we are hurting. So it can be like an unrenewed mind. If you don't renew your mind, that's like an enemy. The Bible says an unrenewed mind is an enemy to God because it's not in line with God and his word. And then our flesh, our flesh needs to be put under. And if we don't put our flesh under, it's like an enemy to the things of God. And then our ego and our pride, which is a part of our minds and our flesh, ego and pride. And so my ego and my pride were damaged in the stories that I told you. And it made me want to rise up and prove myself. But we're, we, that's not what we do, rise up and prove ourselves outside of the plans and the purposes of God. Laziness is another enemy. That can, that can push us out from under the hand of God. Tests and trials that come our way. And, and you know, there is a scripture that says how God tests us, but he doesn't test us with sickness or disease. He'll, it's talking about him testing our heart, not our physical, but... Uh, and, and, and see, that was a test when he said, pack up and go a thousand miles away back to your hometown when I thought, Lord, you know I, you know I love this lady here. He said, move a thousand miles away. See, these are, and so a test and trial, how do we respond to a test or a trial? How quickly do we respond? Sometimes quick is not good. And then even wrong confessions, just talking. I, and, I, and I've told you that about myself, where I call myself an idiot, stupid, worthless. And when we talk about ourselves that way, like we're idiots, we're worthless, and we can't do this, when the Bible says we can do all things through Christ, we're, not, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. So talking wrong about our, even ourselves can push us out from under the hand of God. We're precious in his sight. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings. We can do all things through Christ. We don't want to say things about ourselves that are not true. So I, I did that for a while, and it, that also can push you out from under the hand of God. So let's look at this fourth thing now, the real down under. Is there another place other than Australia? All right, so 
here's what we're going to do. We're just going to look at what the hand of God is because the Bible t tells us to stay under the hand of God. So you see where I'm going with this. There is no, there's only one Australia. It is the down under. But there's this other down under, and that's under the hand of God. So Joshua chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that's two amazing things there, drying up two different places. So that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So here is the hand. It's, it's, it's a powerful, it's God's power, his ability, the mighty hand of God. Then here, here's another one. It's God's ability then even when it came to physical war in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. So since Jesus arose from the dead, there hasn't been one war that God would want. God is not behind any war that's going on because since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're in the age of grace and we do not fight against flesh and blood. But there's many people walking on the earth who do not know God and because they do not know God, they do war. And that's the root of it. And so some people say, why does God allow it? Well, it's people on the earth that have an opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and know God and know his word, but they reject him and they do their own thing. And that's why we have war. And, and, I, and I really don't want to get into that. But we are not here to fight physical wars. We fight spiritual wars. So 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them. So you have a physical war here. And then if you jump down to verse 13, here's what it says about that. It says, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. So it was God empowering the Israel to fight the Philistines in the Old Testament. It was a physical covenant. We're in a spiritual covenant, okay? All right, let's look at another one. This is like supernatural strength in, in Kings 18.46. It says, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So here's what the Barnes commentary says about that. Divinely directed and divinely upheld, Elijah, instead of resting, ran in advance of the king's chariots the entire distance of at least 16 miles to the entrance of Jezreel. That's like, wow, running, outrunning horses for 16 miles. But God's mighty hand of power came on him in the Old Testament, and that's what he did. And so, amazing. Then in Ezra chapter 7, look at this. Even God, he, he's the one that helps leaders lead. Ezra 7, 28, it says, And has given mercy to me before the king and his government and before all the, king, the king's great captains. And I was made strong by the hand of the Lord my God, which was on me, and... I got together out of Israel chief men to go with me. So there is God's ability that comes on somebody, empowered him to gather, like lead. So he gets all the glory for everything. One last one, Exodus chapter 35 and verse 26. It says, all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goats here. So we don't see the hand of the Lord, but same thing, God's presence, his uh, power coming on some. He stirred them up to spin goat's hair. 
he told me to clean. See, everything in the body of Christ is important. Everything in the kingdom of God is important. Now, here's, here's another thing that happened. I was getting ready to go to Bible school, and I went to see my pastor. This is back in 1981, a long time ago. And um, so he said, are you taking your bass guitar with you? I said, no. He said, why not? I said, I, I'm tired of people using me for my talent. <laughs> I needed to be humbled. I, I really thought highly of myself, didn't I? Um, and he said, he should have rolled, he, he probably, in his heart, he rolled his eyes, but he didn't. Um, he said, take your bass guitar. I said, why? I said, I, I'm going to study the word. I don't have time to play. He said, take your bass guitar and use that talent that God gave you and serve. He said, You'll, that will put you in places that you would not normally be get to. Take it. So I took it. And then I listened to him, and I was going to a local church, and I was... I got on the worship team and I was the bass player. Well, the ministry that I served, where the Bible school was, the manager of the singing group that eventually, years later, I became the manager of that group, but the manager was in that church. He was a member there. And they were trying bass players out at the Bible school. I did not even go to try out. I didn't want to do it. He came to me at church and he said, hey, on Monday, could you come and try out for the bass? He said, we tried a bunch of bass players out. You're better than them all. Can you please come and try out? And i like, okay. I, was, I got into that singing group. I was able to travel and be around Brother Hagen and learn things. It got me places where, and, and so it's amazing how even just saying yes to the Lord and getting involved somewhere can get you in a place where you learn something that you wouldn't think you would have. So, um, so they, they were stirred up to spin goats here. We, everything that the Lord says to do is important in his kingdom. So here's one scripture in the New Testament in Romans chapter 5, 1 and verse 5. And this is what Paul said, like, what about the hand of God in the New Testament? Well, Paul said this. He said, we have received grace an apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. So Paul the Apostle is saying that he was called, of course, he was set apart, but he said we received grace and apostleship. It came from God. So it says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Any ministry gift on the earth, they're only that because the mighty hand of God is on them. They have grace to do what they're doing. None of us can do it without him. It's all because of him. It's the gifts and callings of God that come upon people to do it. But that same, it's, it works across the whole body of Christ. So um, with all of that said, let's go to this. Um, well, let me, let me say this too. Here's, this came into my heart about Paul, and we'll say this. Paul was called in grace to be an apostle rather than being determined to be an apostle. That just came into my heart. And I mean, that hit me because, you know, a career path is different than this. When we w go outside the four walls of the church, there are career paths and being determined and achieving is necessary. That's why we have doctors and surgeons and 
solicitors and all the things, everything that we need on the earth, chippies, sparkies. I mean, there's like a career path, all of that. And you follow that and you achieve and you're a blessing in society. It's necessary. But then in the kingdom of God, it isn't determination, it's appointment. It's humbling ourselves and allowing him to do that. Does that make sense? So this is what Paul did. You know, Paul, after he was born again, uh, like commentaries say that he was actually, he went away for almost like 13 years. And then he did another mission. He did a mission in Acts chapter 12, and he came back from that mission. He wasn't an apostle yet. He was still Saul, not Paul. And then in Acts chapter 13, in a prayer meeting, that's when the Holy Ghost said, now it's time for you to do what you're called. And he became Paul and he became an apostle. That was like years after. So the great, the real down under is staying under the hand of God. I've heard there's a minister, he's up in heaven now, and he said this a long time ago, and it sounded really good to me until I grew a little bit spiritually. Then I thought, it doesn't sound as good to me as I thought it did. And here's what he said. He said, I will get on an airplane and go anywhere in the world where God is moving. I don't care where it is. If God's moving somewhere, I'll get on a plane. Now, that sounds spiritual, and it sounds really good. But as I began to grow spiritually, I thought, well, my Bible says the best place for me to be is under the hand of God. It's not to fly all around looking for things around the world. It's to be under the hand of God. So let's finish up here. This fifth thing we want to look at is what goes down does come up in his timing. So Luke chapter 3 and verse 21, it says, Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came down out of heaven. You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. He began his ministry, Jesus himself was about, when he began, excuse me, was about 30 years of age. So you remember when he was lost and his parents went looking for him and he was only 12 years old? He was like talking to religious people like that were doctors of the law, teachers and all that. And he was like blowing their minds for what he knew. But 18 years later is when he actually went into a public ministry, 18 years later. This is the son of God who never sinned, who was amazing at 12 years old. Now, why? Because there was a timing element. So like Luke chapter two and verse 49, here's like the inside scoop on this too. Um, he said to them, why were you looking for me? This is Jesus to his mother and father. Did you not know that I must be about my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And when he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was uh, submissive to them. So they said, come. He went and he was submissive to them. So then in Luke 52, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, statues, how tall he was. I don't believe his submission to them made him taller. But, but because he stayed and stayed in his timing, he increased in wisdom and in favor with God and man. So favor comes when we stay, of course, humble ourselves and stay under the hand of God. 
but it also enables and positions us for God then to move us when he, where and when he wants to move us. So could you picture Jesus when, when his parents said, what are you doing, like come home? And Jesus would say, do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? Because he was the son of God. He was sinless. I mean, he was amazing. But he, it says that he went with them and he, they went back to Nazareth and he was submissive to them. But then his day came 18 years later. So you see what I'm saying? Like impatience, uh, just getting restless, uh, getting offended, all these kind of things that would make us want to run. So this is different than a career path. So this came in to my heart here. God's ways of positioning or sending are quite different than man's ways of achieving. And so this really is something that can help all of us. So with that said, what do we say today? Well, first of all, if we want to stay under the hand of God, don't be offended. Do not let offense come. Number two, know the difference between faithfulness and loyalty. So in other words, if this works in the church and out of the church. So you've been working for a company for 10 years, and you were there 10 years, so you could say, I was faithful. I've been here 10 years. There's a promotion coming up. Am I up for the promotion? But the whole 10 years you were there, you were not loyal. You, 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 know, you spoke behind the, the president's back or the, your boss. you always criticizing and all this kind of stuff. And then you think, I've been here 10 years. Why didn't they promote me? I'm just saying, you know, there, it would be good to have a change of heart and a change in that way because this works outside the church as well as in the church. It works with God. He instituted, he ordained it. So you want promoted on the workplace, don't be loyal and faithful, both, okay? Then just for all of us, start by putting your hand to any plow. Now, something I've never said in front of our church, and I think we've been doing this for like pastoring, we've been here for how long? 12 years, huh? I thought it was 12 years. I wanted to make sure she's always good with that. So in the 12 years I pastored this church, I've never said this, and I'm going to do it today. When I used to travel with Brother Hagen, he prophesied to me numerous times that I was going to have like a large healing ministry. And so here's the thing. I, I never set out to achieve a large healing ministry. I don't care about fame, and I don't care about any of that. I do want the will of God. But here's what I'm saying. Somebody might think, well, Pastor Tony, you're, you're a pastor. Are you not at your ultimate place? Well, according to some of the prophecies I received, I'm not where I was prophesied I was going to be. But here's what I'm trying to say. I will do this with my whole heart, and I will stay planted, and I will not go after seeking anything. If the Lord really wants that, he'll get me there. Does that make sense? And this, is, this works in the church. It works outside the church. We can be faithful. We can be loyal. So if we put our hand to any plow, we're positioned then for him in his timing to move us to a specific plow. So if he really has that for me, he's able to move me into that. But unless he does, I'm going to be planted and stay faithful doing what, where he has me now. Does that make sense? So I'm going to pray and invite the worship team to come back up. Father, I just thank you for everyone here today, Lord God. 
I thank you, Lord, that we are the body of Christ, that you knit us together, that every member of the body of Christ, that we all have a supply. We're, we're all, we all have a, a supply. So, Father, I thank you for the supply that we have individually, and I thank you for our corporate supply that we have for this community. So, Father, we thank you for that. I, I pray, Father, for everyone that is listening to my voice, Father, that this would become really real, that we do not have to strive, that we can stay under your mighty hand. And in your time, Father, you will move us if you desire to do that, but we'll stay planted and we'll serve uh, with faithfulness and loyalty in the place that we are. We thank you for that. Precious name of Jesus. Real quick before we go, um, 40 something years ago, somebody told me I must be born again. I thought it was cultish, but I realized that if you're here in the flesh, you were born, you know, that's your fleshly birth, but there needs to be a spiritual birth. If you haven't had a spiritual birth, that means you haven't confessed Jesus as your Lord. Jesus said that to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And, and he said, you mean I have to go back into my mother's womb? He said, no, whatever's born of the flesh is flesh, but whatever's born of the spirit is spirit. If you're with us today, of obviously you were born of the flesh, but are you born of the spirit? And then Jesus explains to us, how does that happen? He said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you would be saved. 40 something years ago, I believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and I was saved. I was born again and I have never been able to turn my back on God because if he really gets in you, you don't want to walk away. You may walk away, but you know he's there and you, and you know you need to go back. That's the thing. That's the big difference. You might walk away. You might fall. You might sin. But because he's there, you know you're not home and you need to get back home. We can't get rid of him. So if you're not, if and thank God for that. If you're not there, this is your opportunity. I want to pray and you can come into the kingdom of God today. I want to just encourage, you know, even if you're younger, you know, don't, you can follow your parents to church, but make sure you pray as a younger person. You may be sitting in church, but did you ever pray this prayer? It's an opportunity for you to pray the prayer to make sure you are in, you are born again. So let's do this together. Hallelujah. Father, we just come to you in the precious name of Jesus. And, and if you can, you can just say this after me, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. You suffered for me. You took my sin. You were raised from the dead. You defeated death. You defeated sin. I receive you as my savior. I believe God raised you from the dead. You are the Lord and you're welcome in my heart. Amen. And if you prayed that for the first time today, um, we really want to help you with your next step. So we'll have a, some prayer team up here. You can come and say, I prayed that. Tell a friend. And if, you're, if you brought somebody that isn't saved, help them get over to the next step table. We have a table over there, next step, because it's really important that you begin to, to uh, do your spiritual walk if you received him. Hallelujah. You can all stand today. We're going to sing as we go. 
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.